All right, we're live. Welcome to uh, State of Cloud Native. So uh, today we're going to be talking about Kubevert and virtualization on Kubernetes. Um, my guests are Poonam and Rupak. We'll meet them in a second. But before that, let me give you some information about what we'll talk about at the end of the show. So before we meet our guests, we're going to talk about Kube. We'll be at KubeCon, so we'll talk about that at the end. So stick around till uh, till the end of it, and I'll give you a little bit more information. So without rambling, let's go ahead and uh, meet our guests. So we got Rupak on the top left, so we'll, we'll, we'll meet uh, Rupak first. So uh, how are you doing, Rupak? Hello, hello, Mike. Doing fine. Thanks for having, uh, thanks awesome. for having how me. Awesome. How are you doing? So how are you doing today, uh, Poonam? And then I'll yeah. get to your backgrounds. I'm fine, Mike. Thank, thanks for having me. Thank All you. right, cool. So let's go to let's go to Rupak. Let's go ahead and, and get a little bit of background on you first. So, what's your background in tech, and uh, what are you mainly focusing on now um, at Platform Nine? Well, I have a lot of gray hair, so I've been around for a while, and I've done a lot of things, starting from uh, security, PKI, to now infrastructure management. And prior to founding Platform Nine, I was uh, at VMware, where we did a bunch of cool stuff in infrastructure management, and now at Platform Nine. We are continuing on the tradition with uh, first virtualization with OpenStack and now with uh, containers using Kubernetes. And obviously, we are here to talk about Kubert, so we'll talk more on that. Uh, at, at Platform 9, in the last few years, I've been focused more on the edge product line that we have, where we try to work with our customers on, on SASE, retail, telco, and other edge-related um, use cases. So you say Kubert fits into that perfectly, right? So how about you, Poonam? What's your background in tech and what are you working on now? Um, so my background in tech, I started pretty basic, actually. I've done my uh, engineering uh, in biomedical. And uh, since then, I've been intrigued with the power of open source, actually. So I mean, I started off uh, with uh, Linux. So Linux and Cloud are mainly my uh, core skills. And uh, my journey looks like I started off with a junior Linux tech to a senior tech, uh, then an SME, and then gradually moving on to infrastructure architecture. And then finally, uh, for the last few years, I've been into the cloud architecture space. And uh, prior to Platform 9, I was with Entity, Entity Global Networks. And I was working as a cloud architect for them and specifically focusing around uh, uh, the applications uh, which are called as NFV applications, which is a popular term. I'm sure everyone knows it. So uh, it's basically network applications like UTMs and fire, I mean, UTMs, I mean, firewalls and WAN optimizers, SD-WAN, all, all those kind of solutions on the clouds, right? So edge computing, Rupa, same term, so, uh, mm -hmm. is what uh, kind of fits into that. And uh, currently with Platform 9, I work, I'm a part of the bare metal and virtualization engineering team. and. I focus on uh, the products like OpenStack, um, the bare metal products like Ironic, and then also Qvert. So today, I, I guess we're going to talk a lot about Qvert today. But so that's are you that's doing where... any development or anything like that, or is it mostly mostly uh, architecture um, and design and stuff like that? So my work around Qvert is like a lot of it came from my experience uh, with Qvert during my tenure with Entity and. Uh, when I say, so it is development, of course, so some of it is including bug fixes and then uh, the other part is how, how the architecture is and what, what are the improvements we can do to ensure, you know, it's it's a stable enterprise-grade platform. Gotcha. So, you know, a little bit of Go and some Python too, right? So you're you're switching between OpenStack yeah. Python over to Go with Kubert. All right, so yeah. let me go, since we're on, you know, let's, let me ask you, since we, we keep saying the word, what is Kubert? So what is it to you? Like, what do you... Uh, 
what what's the project? What does it do? So, uh, Qvert is basically a virtualization API for uh, Kubernetes. So, it's basically a, a add-on or an extension to Kubernetes, and it allows you to run run the virtual machines alongside containers, uh, on with a single unified control plane. So, that's that's really, uh, you know, the up. Uh, the very summary sort of uh, definition of what Kubevert is. So it allows you to run VMs uh, alongside containers. So, uh, and it's a, it's an extension to Kubernetes, which means that it is all it's the same semantics of Kubernetes, but gives you the power of virtualization along with that. So it's 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 like a combination of two. And what's your what's your executive level sell, Rupak, for what's what's Kubevert? What is it? What is it? Uh, what does it do? No, I think that's a very important question, Mike. If I am a uh, architect at, at one of the enterprises, and if I'm asking myself, hey, I have a bunch of virtual machines or uh, some of my legacy applications that needs virtual machines to run, and I have these new fangled microservices that are coming out that want containers and everyone is, is, uh, is crying to get uh, or uh, to, trying to get Kubernetes, um, so how do I marry both of those worlds? And really, Kubert is the answer. Uh, it's a lightweight, built on top of Kubernetes, like like Poonam said, uh, orchest using Kubernetes orchestration to run virtual machines, along with containers. And guess what? They are on the same networks. So containers and virtual machine can talk to each other. So that, that solves your problem. And, and really uh, optimize your OpEx because you have the same people working with virtual machines, same people working with containers, both developers, as well as your DevOps, as well as the operations team. So everything is there, it's lightweight, uh, it saves cost, and the hassle of, of managing multiple systems. And it's perfect uh, for bare metal and edge, I would imagine too, right? Oh, yes. absolutely. It's, it's, it's yes. pretty lightweight, it's pretty lightweight, and it's built on top of the technologies that have been around for a while, KVM, Libbird, QMU, and we all know that it has worked for many, many different platforms. So the underlying platform is the same. It's the orchestration layer, which is Kubernetes. And we, and we get all the nice things from Kubernetes. Um, high availability. Uh, so I was talking to a customer and they said, oh, we need high in, we need to include high availability. Uh, and I said, you know what, with Kubert, it comes out of the box because guess what? That's what Kubernetes does. Uh, it has a smart scheduling system that comes with Kubernetes and and Kubert benefits from that. That so everything that that works for for Kubernetes, Kubert benefits from that. Now, in addition to it, it's also future looking. So if you look at systems that were uh, that were created 10, 20 years ago, uh, they they would have REST API or SOAP APIs, but not really declarative. Uh, it's it's not infrastructure as a code. But if you look at Kubernetes in general. You, you can declare and say, this is what I want. And the system takes care of attaining those results. It's a desired outcome. And that's where, and that's where we are going. And Qbert is exactly there. So it has good properties of the old mature KVM virtualization engine with, with nice properties of the, you know, Kubernetes and, and uh, supporting microservices. So here's a question for, for both of you. I guess we can start with Rupak. So what does my density look like for servers with this, right? Like I'm running containers alongside VMs. I mean, they, they're running in containers too, but what does density look like? Am I oversubscribing like I used to? Have I, have I changed that model? Am I oversubbing memory and CPU and stuff like I used to do? Or is there better management for resources with, uh, with this? 
it, it's about the same. There is there's really no difference. Now with Kubernetes, typically people don't oversubscribe. Uh, if you look at default Kubernetes deployments, they will not use swap at all. Uh, CPU is a different matter, but they, they won't use swap at all. So you can go that route or you can enable swap and then you can oversubscribe for dev and test use cases. So really it, it doesn't really matter. In fact, I would say the density is going to be better because the overhead from, from the management services, specifically Kubernetes is, is much lower than some of the competing products out there. So for, from a density perspective, if that's your goal, my suggestion would be to yeah, turn on the swap and then uh, do over subscription on, um, uh, on, on, on your deployments and you will get the desired results. Kunam, do you have any, uh, any uh, updates on that too, like uh, from a technical side as well? Or have you seen customers using, like any, you say no oversubscription or anything like that? Like, or is it, what, what's so, the difference? Like, cause uh, you've seen OpenStack too. So I would say, I, I pretty much agree with Rupak on that. So we don't really need to oversubscribe. So whatever we use with a VM is pretty much what you'll use it with, uh, with, uh, with uh, KubeWord. So on a, on a bare metal virtualization versus KubeWord, you would pretty much use the same resources. And in fact, Kubernetes being self-healing in nature, of course, that gives us an added advantage when it comes to scaling or management of the nodes that are running both. So definitely, I think I agree with Rupak on that. There would be a slight difference. Um, the Kubernetes layer would itself take up some amount of RAM, but that is that is not a huge amount. So in terms of oversubscription, it's pretty much the same. You will pretty much use the same resources with both the platforms. Okay. All right, so let's move on to the next one. What's, what's, what are some of the best use cases for this? Like you've kind of touched on a little bit, like I want to move my, my platform over to use co uh, containers and virtual machines. What, what are some of the best use cases you've seen maybe for customers? So I think... Uh, one of the biggest things is what Rupak mentioned. So if I'm an enterprise and I'm looking at uh, my journey towards digital transformation and moving moving towards cloud native, then uh, I would need to run CNFs, uh, a, a way to run CNFs and VNFs together because I cannot really overnight mig oh, migrate all my VNFs to CNFs. That doesn't really happen. So QWord basically is- For people that are new, you want to expand on, on what those mean? What is a CNF versus so, a VNF? Uh, it's basically a container networking function which is a versus a virtual network. So initially it was actually PNA, which is physical network functions. So you will have just a physical NIC and then you you kind of use that NIC for communicating, right? Uh, the next level came like the VNF, which is virtual network functions, wherein you apply virtual NICs to your VMs and use that for networking. And the latest is your CNF. CNF is the container networking functions. So that is that is moving towards Kubernetes or cloud native in general. Now, what I mean is like, if you are an organization who is purely into VM workloads at the moment, so I'm running all VMs at the moment, but I do want to like move towards uh, digital transformation, move towards cloud native as a platform. I move towards containers as a platform. QWERT uh, gives me a way to run both both together. And there are some industries like, for instance, telcos who would have a combination of VNFs and CNFs that they would want to run in their environment. And that is where QWERT fits in right. You know, it just fits in as a correct sort of choice. So uh, best use cases, I would say any company who is like wanting currently on VMs because uh, people cannot really move overnight from VMs to containers like that, right? So if you are a company who wants to 
you your applications are something which you can decouple them into microservices you want to move towards containerization but also runs vms at the same time without investing into two different infrastructures for both vnf and cnf so suppose if i am an organization who is running vms at the moment for for instance openstack right and i'm looking at say containerization i would want to have another stack which is running containers which is an overhead in terms of management two different stacks for vms and containers which is really not realistic right so qvert gives you a way to run both together which is great and you can eventually migrate your workloads from vm vnfs to cnfs as in when the applications uh, develop right so this is what i think is the best sort of industry use case any company who is looking at transformation and want to move from vms to containers i think qvert is the best choice so you kind of mentioned like there was a middle ground, right? Like where people were using OpenStack and then they would deploy VMs and then deploy Kubernetes on top of that. This takes away all of the OpenStack overhead, takes away all the RabbitMQ headaches yeah. and different things that you notice uh, there. Yeah. So what what's your upsell, uh, Rupak, for uh, for executives when you're saying, okay, so you're on OpenStack, this or you're on VMware, you're on OpenStack, you're on cloud, but you want to go bare metal or edge. This is a better option for you to start with if you're rebuilding infrastructure. What what do you, what are some of the things you you uh, think are the best use cases for that? Mike, you summarized it well. Um, if you look at OpenStack and KubeWord, as I said, the underlying hypervisor is the same. KVM is the same. So frankly, the, the images that you have created for your OpenStack, they actually work with, with KubeWord. So, 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 so that's number one. And from our experience with OpenStack and VMware, we know that you can transform your images from VMware to uh, to QCOW, to images that work on OpenStack and, and KubeWare pretty easily. So that transformation is, 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 is possible as well. And really, if you're looking for an agile stack, uh, this is this is this is where this is where KubeWare fits in. And while uh, Puna mentioned that many people who want to use the cloud native technologies are, are looking at KubeWare, what I see, what we see in our experience is that, that that's about everyone in the enterprises. Everyone is looking to create their new applications as, as a cloud native application uh, that runs on Kubernetes. Uh, that means everyone who has any kind of workloads uh, which, uh, which they want to run um, today, plus want to move to new technologies, Qword is, is, uh, is, is applicable for, for them. So let, let me give you a couple of examples to, to illustrate. So we have a customer who um, who's a developer support team. So these, this, this is the team that deals with uh, builds, uh, your CI CD pipeline. They started looking at, at Kubernetes to deploy deploy their CI CD pipeline and all the builders. So, so that's, that, that's how they started with, with Kubernetes and they were very successful with it. Two years down the line, they said, you know what? Uh, with with uh, with KubeWord and Platform 90 supporting KubeWord, why don't we try to build some of the other applications that that are coming from third party and they don't really have any control over transforming those applications? Why don't we run it on on the same platform? And now they are on the journey to really take our uh, uh, take over those virtual machines which were running either on OpenStack or or VMware, primarily VMware, and moving over to this platform where they already have certain workloads running on Kubernetes in containers, and now they will have these virtual machines running side by side with them. So now uh, for their team, uh, look at the efficiency they are gaining. 
there's one set of one set of administrators who are who are working with one system day in day out to manage all these workloads together. So it was fun to start working with uh, Kubert again after working with OpenStack because it just brought back all the memories, right? Because it's just it, like you said, it's the same images. It's 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 cloud in it. It's yeah. the same stuff. Um, yeah. And then like running stuff in the background to to give storage to everything. It's just it's doing it a little bit better, right? Like it, it's a little exactly. And and Mike, the, you touched upon something very interesting. Uh, one of the big one of the other advantages of of uh, of using something like like Kubert is. We have uh, storage vendors and networking vendors who have put in effort to integrate uh, with, with with the with the Kubernetes subsystem. And guess yeah. what? It's all applicable uh, to Kubert, and and so you can use the same investment uh, to to work with these uh, with these niche technologies. So we're, we're talking about like so one of the big things for telecom was was pass through, like you were saying before, and access directly to uh, hardware. So you're saying that's. That's functionality I can bring into Kubert too, right? Like, is it is it any faster? Is it have you noticed any like speed increase or anything like that? Is it is it better or is it about the same? Because um, we'll, we'll talk. So Kubert's actually it's Libvirt running in a container, right? Like that's kind of what it is at the very basic level. Or so it, it's it's just a layer up, but it, you can still do the same type of things, right? Like maybe Poonam can uh, go into some of that. You've talked you've touched on uh, network functions and stuff like that already. Yeah. So. Uh... So yes, the answer is yes. You could, you would be gaining the same capabilities when it comes to pass through, right? So, uh, for instance, what is pass through, right? PCI. When we talk about PCI pass through, which is the 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 most sort of desirable feature when it comes to telcos or edge computing cases. Now, uh, pass through is wherein you are actually your physical NIC is divided into a, a, a lot of virtual functions. It's like directly connecting the physical NIC to the container or a VM. Right now, uh, with with Qvert, you could achieve that with the same sort of efficient, efficiency. So, if you like, if you do a performance test against a bare metal virtualized ha uh, hardware against, you know, uh, the Qvert VM, uh, which is running your workloads, uh, the kind of performance you you get is almost identical. So, it's definitely going to match what you have current today, but it, uh, currently today, but will also give you the benefit of uh, the added benefit of Qverts, like what Rupert kind of touched upon, self-healing orchestration plane, which is not the current state with OpenStack, right? So it's not self-healing in nature. You could have multiple uh, sets of VMs running, uh, so which something called as virtual machine scale sets. And uh, Kubernetes is constantly monitoring the state of the VM. So if something goes down, it actually self-heals it. So a lot of features of Kubert, which are much more better than what the current uh, OpenStack has to offer, plus the benefits of pass-through, like I mentioned. Now, pass-through, PCI pass-through is one of the aspects. The other aspect is something called a CPU pass-through, wherein, you know, you want to emulate, you want to exactly copy the whole CPU configuration to the VM. Now, in case of VMware, for instance, right, uh, or you talk uh, talk about uh, other platforms, sometimes when you're using a bare metal virtualized uh, hardware, right, a hypervisor, uh, when you deploy a VM, the, the virtual driver will kind of... Uh, tone down the CPU capabilities, right? So if my CPU supports a certain megahertz, my my the VM will not have the exact sort of CPU capabilities, right? So host pass-through will actually allow you to have the same sort of capabilities the host CPU has, right? So that those kind of features along with pinning, which is again, an excellent feature if you want really, uh, especially in telcos, you have something like control plane and data plane sort of traffic at the network level. 
and if you want your data plane traffic to really have dedicated cpu all the time so i want the tra traffic to go through a specific cpu core only cpu uh, a specific core should be utilized for that traffic that could be done through cpu pinning which is also supported with qvert along with the topology manager the cpu topology manager so i think it 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 is kind of uh, it gives you the best features of virtualization along with uh the uh, best features of orchestration which kubernetes has to offer so definitely the performance is is almost identical when it comes to both do you have a follow up rupak to that excellent answer um yes i so in addition to the networking uh stuff that uh, punam explained if you look at something like gpus um you can do pass through mike you mentioned it's the same libvirt so we know how it was done in uh, in other hypervisors including openstack uh, you also have the ability to do virtual gpus so all all those are available as features on kubevert just like the way they were available in in other kvm based environments so yeah it's a it's a very powerful framework that that is really ready for prime time so is this the year of kubevert is maybe next year right like are you seeing a whole lot of interest in it like is it ready is it production is it ready for production right like i see a lot of a lot of groups are pushing are pushing it and saying hey this is what we want to do instead like you've got red hat and other groups too that are very interested in it um you've done a lot more testing not the red hat but a lot more testing that i've seen uh on my side is it ready for production like is our customers succeeding with it like already is it so they are on their journey towards it uh obviously the it's still new and our customers are migrating towards it and as you can imagine you know our customers have really large environments so going through all their workloads migrating towards kubert does take time but from a technical perspective yes yes absolutely it is and the red hat you mentioned they have been working pretty hard just today i saw uh, they released a study of uh, running 400 virtual machines on a particular node so that that's pretty exciting uh, that that's that's really exciting for for our uh, joint customers where they are looking for these kind of proof points on how it's succeeding in uh, in the field. So I think we uh, some my next question was kind of well I don't know Poonam if you have a, a follow up uh on the technical side like does it feel as I think that was the biggest thing when I got into Kubernetes coming from OpenStack it doesn't feel like I'm doing anything. Like does it feel like you're I mean I know with like setting up network and stuff like that it feels like you're doing something cuz OpenStack's like oh it's going to take me like forever to install everything and get everything set up and I have this like all these services I have to connect in. Um, does it feel like you're, you're, does it feel like that for Kubert when you're working with open or Kubernetes versus OpenStack, or does it feel like is, does it feel like, oh, this isn't just going to fall over. Like OpenStack felt like it could fall over because networking stuff would hit limitations, but it doesn't feel like that much with like Kubernetes for me so far. So I'm in, uh, my first encounter with Kubert was when I was with Entity. So we were kind of evaluating it and I do, I mean, I, I do think personally, I found it a lot more easier than deploying an OpenStack, uh, i mean in i mean like you said the open stack networking and everything together that's a lot more complicated than deploying kubevert so it's definitely simpler and somehow i feel at least uh, that's again a personal opinion so i feel kubernetes is a lot easier to work with uh, so any person like everything is in a yaml all your definition goes into a yaml you know what you're defining what and what you're getting so it's kind of easier for uh, for people like us like i feel that is more comfortable working on kubevert is a lot more comfortable Yep. Uh, just one thing to add, Mike. Um, while this is comfortable for people like Poonam, uh, this may also be a challenge for folks who are not used to 
infrastructure code and uh, dealing with uh, you know yaml files after yaml files after <laughs> yaml files that that can that that can be tiring and uh, and frankly we are platform nine we have recognized it and others have as well so you will see that there are nicer uis to help with with that fatigue so that folks who are not really inclined to work with the the cli way or the yaml way uh, they, they can still go and do point and click and and manage it and hopefully by doing that and and in in the process they will they will also be able to really use infrastructure code down the line so so that's really the hope and say it's it's all a huge migration to cloud data from like a, a point and click like maybe vSphere setup right like it's this, this big thing of self service but then also I have to figure out all this new stuff but it, it also makes networking easier right like once someone get all, gets all the networking stuff set up I can start using um, built in stuff within Kubernetes to give access to these VMs and, and give people a way to SSH to them and then lock down things a little bit easier than oh I have this external firewall I have to set everything else up so I have to have like network in, network engineers doing all this stuff is it does it feel like the security is a little bit easier to manage? Like access is a little bit easier to manage for this? Like once you've got the network set up and locking things down or like, how does, how's that work? Um, I can take the first crack and then maybe Poonam can add to it. Yeah. I would say networking is always difficult. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's never easy, specifically if you are talking about securing, securing things at a granular level. But yet again, I would say that the pattern that Kubernetes has established is, is really helping there. Uh, so for example, network policies at the Kubernetes level that are equally applicable uh, to, uh, to the virtual machine as, as, as they are with, uh, with, with, with containers. So those, those patterns, those patterns are, are, are helping, but you still have to uh, think about whom do you need to get access to, whom do you not give access to. And, um, so, so that that works uh, still needs to be done. Right. Okay. So, I kind of agree with Rupak. Security is a huge responsibility when it comes to enterprises, and it it's not just limited to how you secure your your ecosystem around your VMs and containers, but it's also the entire setup end to end. So, it's a huge responsibility. It's never easy. Definitely, every environment has to be secure. But I think we at Platform 9, at least what I feel is we really think, I mean, uh, a lot about how we secure it in the best way possible when we are deploying workloads in production. So definitely, uh, it's it's the same sort of challenge with both, but it's uh, it's easier with Qvert because, um, again, I would not say when you I'm not on the complete ecosystem, just on the just around the VMs and containers, it gives you the security Kubernetes has to provide. So definitely that that helps. I think day one Kubernetes people are like, this is amazing. And then like you said, start talking about ingress and other stuff and their eyes just close over like, oh. yeah. like what are you talking about all this extra <laughs> stuff? I'll say thank you for the for the comment too in uh, LinkedIn. Oh sorry. Yeah. So if anyone has questions, more, let us know. One sorry. more comment on that. Yeah, yeah, one more comment before we move on. Um, we, we didn't talk about the load balancer point that, that you were asking about. Okay. So I remember with OpenStack, we, we used to have a different load balancer as a service, yeah. and then it went through multiple iterations, and there was other, there, there were vendors supporting it, and, and it was great. But what we found, what we find is with, with Kubernetes, some of those things are much simpler. Um, the inbuilt services concept which gives you load balancer as a service for internal to the cluster as well as uh, as well as external metal uh, sorry external services which can 
create load balancers like we use metal albino product they are extremely handy and extremely light uh, for for the use cases so it's, it's basically a pod right so i can use ingress and that kind of stuff with this too right i, I could I could do like layer seven and higher, like I can make it easy yes. to send something to a web, like a, a legacy site that I'm web sphere, some, some old thing that I'm running on a VM. Like I can make that easy for, for my users too, and then open up ports and stuff for them. Right. Like is, is ingress pretty integral to what customers are using this for, or are they like, are they hosting, like, are they hosting old, older, like software on it? And then there's. So I think different customers, different use cases. So I have seen customers really taking up their old virtual machines, which is just really using TCP, not even HTTP, <laughs> and, and, and then putting it on, onto Kubernetes. So that's, so that's one use case. The other one is, is what, what you just mentioned, where they are using their web application, which is running in a virtual machine. It ha hasn't been ported over, and that's where ingress can be useful now. But you have to remember a lot of folks, when they create a virtual machine, it's everything's embedded inside that. So, so even the, the web server is embedded inside that. So can Ingress be used? Yes, I think we, it can be, but people will, are people using it? Probably not. Gotcha. I'll say thank you for the, the comments too on LinkedIn. Uh, thanks for the comment on the setup. Uh, if anyone has questions though, if you have questions for, for Rupak or, or Poonam, post them in there and we, we'll, we'll try to field them as well. Like if you have questions about Kubert or, or Kubernetes or virtualization this layer. But let's go ahead and uh, let me move to the next thing. Those questions were, or the answers were so good. Now I have to figure out what's, what to ask next? I think you've kind of covered a lot of the stuff that I've that I have in my uh, questions. Like, you know, like I'll, I'll just I'll ask it since we already kind of covered it. We'll cover it again for people that are just watching now. So, OpenStack seemed like a, a stepping stone, right, with cloud init and small images coming from bare metal and virtual machines, which Kubert also uses. What's the what's the real migration process? We kind of touched on it, but maybe we'll go into a little bit more detail. What's the real migration process from coming from straight bare metal or maybe using VMDK and stuff like that. You said I can convert it to my, convert my images and stuff. What if, what if I'm using all windows? Like, what do I, what do I do with windows? Like that, I looked at the Kubert documentation and it's telling me to install with an ISO. What does that mean? Like, do I, can I build windows images and, and run them there? We go yeah. maybe Poonam first since Rupak did last time or whoever, whoever likes to answer. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so the migration strategy, right? I think, Mike, you touched upon a very, uh, very sensitive topic when it comes to enterprises again. So if I am running OpenStack, I want to migrate my workloads to Kubeword. What's the path? How do I do it? So, uh, of course, there are conversions available uh, from from different. Uh, so, with with uh, from say OpenStack to Kubeword, that definitely is a lot easier because OpenStack uses QCow2 and the same sort of images as used by by Kubeword. So, it's almost uh, like a lift and shift. You could lift lead work, lift your work workloads from OpenStack and then kind of shift it to uh, to the Kubeword platform. Uh, however, there would be challenges uh, for some of the workloads wherein you know conversion methods are not available. But uh, there would be ways where you could build custom images for your platform uh, there are different ways where you could build custom images for your platform with whatever settings you need predefined pre and use them within Qbert. now Qbert does allow us to kind of reuse those images so like suppose it's not like a recurring effort so if i want to host a particular workload on Qbert, i could create a data volume and kind of clone it each time i'm deploying the vm right so which means i could create something like a template which gets deployed each time I want to deploy a similar kind of workload. And that's and kind of comparing it to like Glance, right? Like Glance, you, you don't have yeah. an image repository repository in the same way necessarily unless you create that outside, right? Right, right, yeah. 
True. So that is what uh, I think would be a way if, if some of the workloads are not directly available to convert to the KubeWord platform, then this is what you could do. You could build your custom, custom images out of it and then use them as templates to deploy similar workloads each time. Right. So, and maybe you're configuring with like cloud in it after the fact to do like special stuff. Like you can still use these scripts to, to yeah, modify you could. it if you cloud want something different. Is very much, cloud in it is very much supported with KubeWord. So that is something that, like like I said, if it's OpenStack, uh, uh, you could easily lift the lift and shift those workloads from OpenStack to KubeWord. The migration would be a lot more simpler because it's, it's the true. same LibWord layer which handles it. So the harder thing is going from like a, a different hypervisor, right? Like with different images yeah. and stuff. Rupak, maybe you can maybe you've had those questions asked of you a, a couple of times. Okay, I'm using I'm using you know VMDKs or VHDs or something like that. What do I do? How do I how do I get well, there? If, if it is if it is the three hundred gigs big too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it is if it is. Uh... Linux-based images, yes, there is a cost to you know convert from the VHDs to QCOWs of the world or the data volume transformation that 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 uh, that Poonam spoke about. But if you are using Windows, it's the same challenges that we had were going from VMware to OpenStack. Uh, you need to have support for the Word IO drivers um, that need to be installed within within those Windows uh, virtual machines. So you have that initial hurdle, but assuming that you do not have a sprawl of 300 <laughs> base images, then uh, then uh, then you can get the work done once, uh, embed those uh, embed those in your images, and then and then move over to uh, to uh, to KubeWord. It's, it's, it's essentially the same uh, process that yeah. you followed with, with OpenStack. But it is possible, so it's not something that is out of the way or something that cannot be done. It is definitely possible to run a Windows VM too. So uh, it's not something that we cannot do. Now, uh, if you look at it in a different perspective, right? <clears throat> like uh, if you are a company who is running, say, purely Kubernetes, right? And you want to deploy a Windows VM, where do you go, right? So at least it's giving you a choice to kind of run those VMs in the environment alongside your Kubernetes uh, layer right so which means it does give you that kind of power of flexibility to kind of do it do things your way so definitely it's a middle path there so it's possible to do it i'll say until the the kubert guides are updated maybe they're updated now i haven't looked in a, a like a month or two you, you look at the OpenStack guides for how to build windows images they may help you a little bit a little bit better and then you can template them out and then and then reuse them yeah yeah um let's see Let's go to so the next it's one. like most enterprises, like I think you would not just not just the templates, right? Uh, also the flavors, flavors, right? Like in OpenStack, you have something called as flavors. You define that my VM needs to have say say two GB RAM or uh, two vCPU. You could create similar presets with with Kubert, uh, where you you could use that as a virtual machine preset while deploying a VM, right? Which means it's giving you exactly the same sort of power of templating it and also using a specific flavor to deploy each time you want to do it. So like you're so doing like in that, a YAML, so maybe you provide that to your developers uh, or like a home chart or something like that with specific uh, claims, right? Like in right. resource you limits. So define, those... Yeah, yeah. so that helps you like have uh, same sort of resources for a specific workload each time. Suppose you want to deploy 100 firewalls and you want all the 100 firewalls to have same resources you're not going to go on defining it each time, right? You're going to use a preset or a flavor. That's what you would do in OpenStack, right? So Qvert also gives you that, not just templating, also the flavor part of it. So definitely it is growing towards a path where, you know, or you could actually do all of your virtualization tasks using Qvert uh, easily, I would say. So that's like, 
that's like day two stuff. Is there any other interesting day two stuff that you run into? Either of you can answer. Um, like the idea of like, at first I'm just going to deploy my VM. And, oh, this works. Wow, I can run this. And then it's like, okay, now I need to start templating, like you're saying, and I'm creating yeah. like resource re limits and requests. What what else is something that, like I haven't really used it in production all the way. What's another interesting thing that you start seeing? So a lot of day two stuff, of course, I mean, I think at least I feel Qvert, a lot of development is happening around that day two stuff. Like you want to live migrate VMs or you want to block migrate VMs. So there's a difference between what live migration is and what block migration is, but it supports both, right? There was a time when I was with Entity and it did not support the block migration feature, which it does now. So just to kind of elaborate on this, live migration is like wherein you have a shared storage and you want to kind of move your VM off from one hypervisor to another. Uh, so that's that's a typical day to operation, right? For a for a maintenance or for an upgrade for hardware maintenance, you want to move off your workloads from one host to another host. That is that is pretty much supported with Qvert. And suppose you don't have a shared storage, you have local storage. You, you still want to migrate workloads from A to B, host A to host B. That is also supported using block migration, which when it wherein it copies the entire block of data from say host A to host B to migrate that VM over. Similar to what LibWord does it, actually replicating what LibWord does it. So say like, that is one of the day two features. And then there are some of the day two features which 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 are still under development, like uh, for instance, uh, the volume expansions, right? You have you have defined a PVC or a volume for a you want to increase the size of disk for a particular VM. That is that is now supported. Uh, there are some features which are still not there, but I'm sure they will get there. For instance, the CPU and uh, the RAM sort of hot, hot, hot plugging of CPU and RAM resources. That's that's currently not there, but I'm definitely sure that it's it's gonna be there in some time. So, so some of so you mean like automatic resizing, or like are they going into the VM and doing it manually? Like, are you talking about like automatic yeah, resizing? So Hot plug is like uh, I could online resize my my disk, right? But if I if I want to like hot plug my CPU or RAM, that is not something which is supported at the moment with Kubeword, but definitely something that may come up in the future. But storage is the recent sort of advancement, like in the in the latest releases of Kubeword, where it is supporting hot plug of storage resources. So that is some of the common. These are some of the common day two operations you would want to do, right? Disk expansion, CPU or RAM expansion, or or say live migration of VMs for maintenance. So we, it's getting there, I would say. Gotcha. Yeah. And so Rupa, what about you for the customers? Like, what is their insights on day two or three? Like, oh, I can do this now. <laughs> so one of the so one of the things that uh, specifically if you're running in production, and um, that that I've seen is with OpenStack, we spend a lot of time uh, working with project. Masakari, I hope I got the name right, which was uh, with respect to high availability yeah. for for your virtual machines. And uh, at least one customer, they were pleasantly surprised that that was available out of the box with, with Kubeword because of the way uh, it was architected. So so, so, so so that was huge. The other thing that, that our customers asked for is what about monitoring? Um, you have... Um, you know, obviously VMware has has monitoring in their third party, uh, you know, companies who provide monitoring on, on VMware as well as as, as well as OpenStack. Um, what do you do for monitoring on 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 Kubeword? Now, uh, guess what? Uh, you have LiveWord available, which exports out of Matrix, and so we were working. We are actually working with one of our customers who uh, who wanted to mom, uh, monitor their applications. And what we have, one what we have done at Platform Nine is 
have those exporters, Prometheus exporters readily available by default turned on. And so they were able to scrape those metrics from, from Platform9 and from Kubert directly and, and then really uh, do their capacity planning or, or monitoring for, for, for their application, which is running inside the washing machine. So those are some of the very interesting things that are coming up uh, when, when, we are, uh, when we are getting into production with some of these customers. So I'll ask the hard question now. What is, it, what is Kubert not a fit for? Like, are there certain use cases where you might not want to switch to it yet? Like, or um, I, guess, I guess some of the hard things too is like coming from VMware, VMware's got a huge ecosystem around training and there's a huge pool of people that understand it and that can work on it. And like day one, you can just hire like five, five people that know VMware. Like, is that one of the difficulties of Kubert or is that like a, a stopper for the, the use case or is there other use like technical reasons why you might not want to switch to it? I don't think there are technical reasons why you wouldn't want to switch, but but frankly, it's it's all about the culture of the of the team as well. Uh, you're used to one way of working, and uh, do you want to change it? Uh, do you have uh, cloud native workloads coming in? Are you are you going to operate your uh, workloads more uh, like you do in clouds? Is it more infrastructure as a code or not? Um, are you afraid of Kubernetes? I've seen that too. Uh, but if as, as long as you are you're willing to uh, willing to learn these new skills, uh, I think I think you was an excellent choice. Puna. Oh, I think uh, where it's not a fit for is a very interesting question. So, I think most of these decisions around what to use, what not to use, is usually business driven, along with along with some of the challenges that Rupert mentioned, whether do I have a tech team to handle it? Is my tech team comfortable managing a platform, right? So I think, uh, but most most of it is, is, is towards the business strategy is what I feel. So if I'm a company who wants to go to containers as a platform and want to, you know, have my legacy workloads kind of migrated to containers eventually, I would definitely look at KubeWord, right? However, if I'm a company who want to always run through VMs and I'm afraid of change, no, I don't want to change it. It's too difficult. Change is always difficult, right? So in that case, I would want to stick to my current platform or say OpenStack or CloudStack, whatever platform you have, you want to stick to that, right? So it's mostly driven by business, like what the business strategy is, what they want to do, say five years down the line, 10 years down the line, what their vision is. If they, if they, they do want to move towards cloud native and they do want to move towards digital transformation, I think they would definitely look at KubeWord because that's a way where you can ease that journey. I think the main role here it's playing is that it's easing that journey of moving towards cloud native. Gotcha. All right, we're getting close to time. Let me go ahead and I'll, I'll say I'll say to Puna first. Do you have any uh, any hobbies or anything fun that you're working on outside of work that you want to talk about, or anything maybe you're focused in on work and there's something new that you're messing around with that's that's outside of Kubert? Uh, anything else you want to say? Um, hobbies uh, outside of work, of course. I'm in a lot of hobbies, but uh, I, I'm I'm a very artistic person, so I do like to paint and uh, all of that is something that I like to do. So, uh, and then I like to do yoga a lot. I'm really a big uh, yoga fan, so I mean that it helps me relax, it helps me focus. So, uh, outside of work, this is what I mean, and then spending time with my family, of course. How about you? How about you, Rupak? Are you working on anything fun outside of work, or? Uh... Well, I picked up something uh, new and interesting due to COVID. Um, so during COVID, we were all inside, and then when the restrictions started uh, getting over, we started uh, hiking in nearby places. So, 
so so that so that was a pleasant addition to the hobbies that I, I used to have I say it's beautiful down there too when it rains right like so you have the green hills instead of the the brown hills around like the uh, the bay area well it's it's it, it's been drawn for a while now so oh, is it now <laughs> yeah they're reading on more rain I'll say thank you both for your time I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up with uh talking about KubeCon real quick since I promised that so uh I'll be there um stop by our booth you can talk to us about Kubert, you can talk to us about Kubernetes you can talk to us about OpenStack if you want to we're mostly talking about Kubernetes but we'll talk about some of that stuff um I'll be there uh some of my guests coming up over the next couple of weeks too will be there but uh it'll be October 24th to 28th in, De in Detroit Michigan so uh stop by our booth get a shirt hang out ask us questions um but I think we're I think we're done. I think we hit right around 45 minutes. Uh, thank you both for your time. Like I said, uh, we'll see you all next time. Thank you, Mike. It was fun. Thanks, thanks Mike. Yep. It was really right. fun. Thanks.